sounds. (laughs) Welcome to Bubbles and Books, a podcast about two of the best things in life, books and champagne, brought to you by Amanda and Ellen, co-owners of your local independent bookstore, Dog-Eared Books in Ames, Iowa. First, give me a cheers. Okay, we're ready. And books are sexy. Um, is it acceptable to pop the champagne? Yeah. Okay. We really need this today. Okay. What are we drinking today? This is Calvet. I don't know where. It's from Bordeaux region. It's really good that we have you back to talk about the wines. Yeah. Because all the wines are Versace to me. So Yeah, Versace. (laughs) This is Calvet, which might be actually Calvet. Um, from the house of Fondi, founded in 1818, and it's dry champagne, which I know it's not Tomby's favorite. She really loves. I'll drink it. I'll drink it. <laughs> just give me Do whatever. Amanda, just give me anything. Do you need I know. Table, yeah. Here, I'll grab this little round. Yeah, I'm going to grab this one. Ooh, that was good. Deep. Solid. Deep. Um, what was I going to say? Shoot. Um, hold on. Oh my gosh, the author of um, Kai Kai messaged me back. What? Stop. Stop. Why? Because, so I'm buddy reading it with several of my friends right now. And oh, I thought we were going to buddy read it too, though. I thought we were, and then I thought you said you weren't. I asked you uh, about it. It's really hard to get on board. <laughs> Ellen no, and I, I have tried. I asked you, and you're like, well, I don't know right now. I was like, oh, no, it's like, Two months ago. I don't know. It was like not that long ago. <gasps> I must not have been thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> I was totally probably just like, yeah, whatever. Well, we've only gotten through part one and part one's really short. So you have to catch up. You can up. catch up. Oh, and then I you guys can all. I started reading another book and I, I'm so obsessed with it. Okay. Well, I'm not going to lie. I probably would reread it with you anyways. Okay. Because I like it that much. Okay. Ooh, sorry. Thank you. Okay. Um, but anyways, so I'm reading it with several of my friends right now. And it's um, South Asian um, mythology. And so we're a bunch of white women and just aren't familiar with um, the landmarks necessarily or just even the area. So I asked her, I was like, is there a map you referenced? Because there's a lot of kingdoms being talked about. And I was like, is there a map you referenced? Because I was hoping there'd be one included in the book and there's not. Um, but she just let me know that she didn't use a specific map, but like that we can pretty much just like Google anything. Cause I wanted, I was going to Google, but I'm like, but if there's a specific map, I want to know which one she was yeah. looking at versus me just like finding any random, which map could be misrepresentation. Right. Yeah. So, um, but I really like it so far, but yeah, sorry. And did you see my Facebook post that James McBride lives a mile away from Chris's parents? I like I know exactly where he lives too. Like I can see his house in my mind. Now the question is, what are you going to do with that information? No, that's exactly the question. Obviously, stop There's, him. I think like, find a dog to are you walk. Recording already? Back and forth. Oh yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's oh, okay. shut out James McBride. We know where you live. But then if you walk a dog by his house again and again and again, yes, he might no, be like, I just but need you, to borrow you have to do it while holding his book. Yeah. <laughs> I walk and read. I walk and read. Okay. So I don't know if any of you guys tried to read Milkman, the mm-hmm. man booker, um, okay. Award winner. I, I pay attention to those. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, I'll pick it up. I'll, I'll hit an award winner once a year. That one was really, um, hard reading. Mm-hmm. It was kind of train of thought. Um, but, she gets criticized. People cannot handle the fact that she walks and reads. Oh, that's funny. Like, it's a big problem. I used to do it. 
Yeah. I still do it on my phone. Yeah. Everyone does it on my And phone. so this is a big component of the book, and that's the thing I liked mm-hmm. most about it. It's, it's about what you're allowed to be as a woman in Northern mm-hmm. Ireland, in addition to Northern Ireland and all the troubles they've been through and the dynamic amongst many people and how some people are willing to turn on each other. But it was very much about your role as a woman in that culture and what you're allowed to be and not be. And apparently you're not allowed to walk and read. (laughs) I have several of my friends that walk and read. Like one friend bought a paper white just to do that. Mm -hmm. Like that little Kindle e-reader thing because her dog's a dog that likes to sniff and smell. And that's the greatest like learning for dogs is because they like understand through smells for the most of the time. So like, she's like, well, I'm, I'm standing half of this walk. I want to be doing something, not just like being annoyed at my dog that it's sniffing forever. Mm -hmm. I just want to, um, see what we're supposed to be tasting here. A brilliant light golden body with pinpoint bubbles will seduce you with its elegant bouquet of peaches and brioche. Crisp, Flesh, fresh flavors. Flesh. Is flesh brioche flesh. cheese? No, brioche is yeah, bread. 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 And we mm-hmm. complain sometimes when things are not, too yeasty. It's I not. Do get, it's, I get the pear kind of more apple-y with, mm-hmm. like, with that light yeastiness. But I do get the, what is it, the pinprick of flavors or something like that. Wow, that is so much I know. <laughs> so mean. Like, that is so it I is. don't taste any of those well, things. We make a okay, weekly habit just, of drinking too much champagne. <laughs> and so we have I've developed spent a palette. I've 10 years in the industry, Tommy. Yes. That's when I true. started, I knew nothing. I knew Mad Dog 2020 and Dune's Farm. I'm like, oh, yes, this is fruit flavored. <laughs> okay, but now Rachel has to clarify. Rachel, what's your side job? Oh, yeah. So I work for an Iowa winery. Um, So I just, I know more about. I like Midwest mm-hmm. grapes versus other grapes, but it's taken me a long time to really understand what I'm tasting and things. So yeah, I don't need know. to teach us them. The, for those of us who are uncultured, like I it's am. not yeah. culture. Oh my gosh! See, that's like always my biggest thing. Is like I'm like 19 years old, and I'll have a um, couple that are in their late 60s come in, and they're like, "Well, we've never done this before," and they're like all awkward and embarrassed and shy. I was like, "No, this is gonna be fun." I don't yeah. like half of the stuff. I don't even know what I'm talking about either. It's just like. Something fun to do and you learn as you go. But I think it's one of those. Thank you for calling me pretentious, Tommy. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's one of those moments where Tommy says something just so bitchy that I love it so much. (laughs) We have a special relationship. Yeah, Yeah. it's like my favorite kind of bitchiness that I like greatly appreciate. (laughs) I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I just let you know. Yeah, it's some good champagne over here, champagne. Yeah, I love it. Okay, what's everyone reading? Tom, Tom V, what are you reading? So I just finished a book this weekend called Night Crawling. Oh my gosh. Lila Motley. Thank you for reading it. I want to hear um, it. Go. Oh my gosh. So I didn't realize that. So I didn't know anything about the book when I picked it up. I didn't realize that the author was 17 years old when she wrote it. I mean, it is like top five, top five of the year for sure mm-hmm. for me. So it's about this teenage girl. She lives with her brother. Um, her father has died. Her mother is in jail. Um, Her brother is older than her. He's supposed to be like taking care of them, but he has these dreams of rap stardom that he's pursuing. And so he's not making any money. And so they are like, they have no money and they're Mm -hmm. poor, poor. And so she's like desperately looking for a job anywhere in Oakland, California. She can't find anything. And she sort of falls into the life of a sex worker, like a very Mm -hmm. unwilling sex worker. She just does. It's the only way for her to have anything. It's the only way. Yeah. Um, and she ends up getting caught in this like, 
basically like a trafficking ring that's run by the Oakland police. Uh, and it's based loosely was, on like actual events. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. you had mentioned that, which is horrible. It's horrible, yeah. Um, but as hard as the story was to read, like I definitely recommend it for anyone because the writing is, it's so beautiful and it just focuses completely on the main character, Kiara. Mm-hmm. Um, and it completely humanizes a person that I think as a society, we're like conditioned to look down on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no way you could read this and look down on this character. And, it's and so also beautiful. to explain how it happens. How it happens, why it happens, um, you know, the struggle for survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the the author is an Oakland native. So just born and raised there. I'm just thrilled to see how much attention this book has gotten. And it is on the long list for the booker. Um, it might have made the short list. So ever People. since you mentioned this book to me last week, um, I had heard about it and I had seen the cover. But it has just it maybe if it is because it got put onto the short list or long list for the Booker Prize. But I so I bookstagram. And if you're not familiar with that, it's Instagram, but specific niche community on there of like readers, like bookish everything. And I have seen so many posts just since Friday of Nightcrawler. Oh, so good. And I'm like, okay, well, this is like, it's going up, up, and up on my list because you had talked highly about it. I thought it was like a thriller horror book when mm-hmm. I just like, because I didn't know. What the cover it, sort of makes it look yeah, like it is. Yeah. But it's like a very intense cover, yeah. not, like knowing now like what the conversation of the book is about. And I'm, I'm excited to pick it's, it up. It's poetry. I mean, mm-hmm. like you could just read it for the writing alone. Mm-hmm. And then remembering that she's seven. I mean, it blows my mind that she was 17 years old. Which, when you have that ability to put words in beautiful sentences that way, it gets you so excited Mm -hmm. for her future as a writer. Mm -hmm. And then also just her understanding of humanity, Mm -hmm. right? At such a young age. I mean, things that people our age still don't understand. Every once in a while you meet someone who is able to, in conversation Mm -hmm. even, who's able to articulate something way beyond their years mm-hmm. with such clarity that mm-hmm. almost anyone can understand it. And that's mm-hmm. a huge gift. Which also yep. makes me think of such a heaviness on that author too, of her own life experiences to like take what she had been molded around her life and put into mm-hmm. such an incredible story. And at 17, I'm like, Oh my gosh, at 17, I, I was just 17. making sure like <laughs> yeah. my arms and cheerleading were correct. You know, yeah. I'm like, and she's writing this incredible piece I'm of like, art. So. My mom and dad won't let me see my <laughs> yeah. boyfriend. Right. Her, her father is a playwright. So oh. like clearly some talent has been passed yes. down. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. That's really cool. I related to that. People who are able to take um a form of suffering or trauma that is in many ways universal and create something beautiful out of it and that like crystallizes it in a form where people who have experienced it or not experienced it can participate mm-hmm. in understanding it. That is such a huge gift. Mm-hmm. Um, not a great similarity, but I was thinking <laughs> about why I've been gone and I went to the chicks concert at Red Rocks, and I just remember thinking how much gratitude I had that Natalie Maines came back to write this album, Gaslighter, mm-hmm. because of how much it represented what I'd been through in my own family and the betrayal of my father. And realizing this is part of a cultural mm-hmm. phenomenon, because I was in a stadium. I mean, they're packing stadiums all across the country on this tour. Um, how many people resonate with this? 
And when you have a piece of art that everyone can observe together and realize we're in this together Mm -hmm. or like I care about it, Mm -hmm. even if it's not my experience. Um, So like it gives me shivers. That is exactly what's on brand for today's topic too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Experiences in art that are so critical to people to have. Obviously, we are a bookstore, and so we're specifically talking about Mm -hmm. books and the impact that those different stories and availability of stories has on kids. So Tommy has talked with us before, but have we done? Are you reading? Well, I can talk about that. I mean, it's fine, but I'm more excited to hear what Tommy says. I'm really Tommy says. Tommy says. (laughs) Tommy says is like the ultimate handle. But um, let's see. (laughs) I am Tanras, and every time I see it, I think she's that. guy from oh my god that's like the best compliment i've ever gotten i love them so much um okay i am reading marrying the ketchups and i did not i kind of i saw a lot of talk on bookstagram about it people i i like their taste in books were talking about it i didn't know it's about a family restaurant in chicago um and I I just knew that people loved it, but kind of the vibe I was getting was that it was going to be saccharine. Like it was mm-hmm. just going to be a little like too love. I don't know. Perfect, cute diner story. But um, I read enough about it and I was interested. And the reason why it hooked me is it's a multi-generational family story, which, you so know, I love. I'm reading family drama and descriptions yeah. right now. Yeah, family yeah. drama, but the multi-generation siblings, cousins, mm-hmm. aunts, uncles, um, all around. Um, Bud Sullivan started this restaurant, and it was like in the Oak Park area of Chicago before everyone thought that was a cool place to be. So they opened this restaurant and he took such pride and love in creating the space. And they were the place to have a date, uh, a celebration. They were the place to be, but you know, as time passes, um, restaurants fall out of fashion or the new foodie culture is very much about what's the hot restaurant right now. And so it's kind of about, I think we're in the third generation is coming. They're all finding their way back to this restaurant because of where their life has taken them and um, their cousins or siblings. And they're, you know, having the, I love these. Ellen loves a coming of age story, like a 16 year old mm-hmm. girl. I love middle age coming of age mm-hmm. because I really believe that's when we figure ourselves out. And it's, you know, 30 somethings figuring out who they are. And they have this home base of the restaurant. And you wonder what's going to happen to Sullivan's. I like that you're wording it as a middle age coming of age mm-hmm. instead of a middle age crisis. No. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah that's, that's true. a really good yeah. take on it because it's why do why does it have yeah. to be a crisis? Why can't mm-hmm. it just be a new change of life? Like just like, the continual development right, of yeah. itself. Right. Because yeah. why do we have to yeah. all stay stagnant? Like yeah. we're not, it's not a would perennial life be the right wordage you know it's not yeah just like mm-hmm. ongoing you're gonna insane. yeah like, you don't arrive at a certain time and right, then you're set yeah. it's just right. evolution yes yeah. there you go but you go. i really relate to this because i've talked about this before when adele came back and she was wearing her giant planet earrings and had her giant tattoo of a planet with rings on 
her arm. I was like, like Adele, Google. Yeah. I Googled Adele, planet earrings, tattoo. She believes firmly in the astrological phenomenon of the return of Saturn. And so it takes 27 to 29 years for Saturn to return to the yep. spot it was in when you were born. And when it returns, you will have major upheaval and reorientation of your life. And that was 100% what it was for me. Like at 28-ish, I was like, oh, this is who I am. And then another 28 years later, something's going to happen in another 28 years. But it, it's different for everyone based on when you were born in terms, it's not an exact 28. It could be 27 for you or 29 um, based on when you were born. But that's why middle age coming of age happens. It's not, it's not necessarily when you're 16, 17, mm-hmm. it might be like- right. You've done all these things. You thought you did it right. You got called. You yep. went to college. You had this You're career. Following the like, what's the, state the path? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, like and cultural expectations. Yeah. You're allowed yep. to change and have different experiences. I'm a big advocate for like not having such a hard and true path. Mm-hmm. Like, I did it, and I mm-hmm. loved it. I loved everything I did, but I realized. Even if I did it all perfectly, I still didn't know who mm-hmm. I was until I was 28. And I think of all these mm-hmm. kids that are like, oh, go to college, yep. take on this debt, and you really have no idea who you are. I'm really glad that you say that, actually, because I worked with kids yeah. for 15 years, yeah. right, for a really mm-hmm. long time. And, like, that idea of the path, like, the correct path is so toxic, right? And It's it, very like, toxic. It really messes with kids, right? Because it's like... They feel all this pressure of expectation, the pressure is right? Horrible. And then kids who can't conform to that feel like they have failed, right? Yep. They're 15, 16, 17 years old, and they already feel like failures just because they don't want to walk that path. And it's really hard. And to when you take on the mantle, yeah, when you take on the mantle of failure, yeah, you then sometimes also take everything on that's associated with yep. failure. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'm just, I'm not going to ever find a job or I'm, yep. I'm not going to have a healthy relationship yep. or it doesn't, it's not all. Or I'm not worth it. I'm not I'm worth, not worth it. Yes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll never have success now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so many ways that we do that in public education, mm-hmm. um, in the world. Okay. Rachel, tell us what you're reading. I, I'm really loving marrying the ketchups. I'm going to put it on a <laughs> um, uh, recommendation for the store. Um, Night crawling, obviously big winner. How about you? Um, so as I was mentioning in the beginning of this podcast, I am reading Kaya Kaye, mm-hmm. um, by, I'm looking up the pronunciation of the author's name because I'm going to not say it properly, but I'm going to try, um, Vahishnavi, 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 okay, Patel. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I don't want to, since I kind of already talked about it, um, it's South Asian mythology based, um. So it's talking about Kaiki, who is um, a princess of Kikaya, um, but then becomes, again, it's basically like the word for queen, which is, I'm, I wish I was listening to on audio so I could mm-hmm. hear all the pronunciations properly. Um, but she basically becomes the third wife of a neighboring kingdom to support her family. But she, um, what I think is most interesting um, is the author's note in the beginning is really cool because she was told this story as a young girl, like 17 years ago. And then like it stuck with her um, from her grandmother telling her and she wanted to give her a new story because basically like most women in mythological history, they're the enemy, the bad guy, they are the problem. Um, So she wanted to take 
her story and give her a new one essentially Mm -hmm. and then also add a bit of like magical realism into it so Mm -hmm. she is able to enter what is called the binding plane so she can see all the strings that connect people that's from her but she can also like kind of manipulate on those strings like if she doesn't want to do something be like well kaiki is like a nice girl she is she's responsible she doesn't have to do that it's like oh you know what maybe i don't have to so (laughs) i'm reading it with my friends and we're in the beginning um there's four parts to it, so we're going to read each part and then discuss after parts, and we had our first discussion last night. So it was a lot of fun to get a lot of that perspective. and Which is a great plug for creating your own pop-up book mm-hmm. clubs, yeah. whether mm-hmm. it's a buddy read with someone or, yeah. like, sibling read. My sisters and I have done that before, and you kind of have to have, like, yeah. the you know, keep the faith of, like, my sisters and I read Great Circle, and it was, like, six months later, and someone finally finished yeah. it. But they got there. <laughs> so, and this is, like, my normal book club, too, but we're just doing a side buddy read, too. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to read this. And then somebody else is like, oh, my gosh, same. And then the next thing I know, three other people are like, me, too. So. But people who are passionate readers, sometimes it's hard for, like, mm-hmm. you guys to hit it right at the yeah. right time. Because mm-hmm. Ellen and I will always be like, oh, we're going to buddy read this. Right. And I'll, like, hit three books in a row. And I'll be like, yeah. why haven't you joined me yet? <laughs> Yeah. So, and then I also picked up Emissions um, that Ellen read for her book club, um, for the Dog Eared Original Book Club, OG one last month. And then I'm still working on Book of Gothel. By mm. I'm excited Marathon. to hear about that. It's good. It's just not very plot driven. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's if you have to like more of a character mm-hmm. story. So. Yeah. But and like that it. one's like a kind of a Rapunzel retelling. So it's about the woman who put Rapunzel mm-hmm. in, in the, the tower, tower. Mm-hmm. which I'm like, so I still have like a couple hours on audio of it left and I'm slightly confused because there was like a plant that was called the Rapunzel plant. So mm-hmm. I want to know, like, I'm like, oh, did she just rename her after that plant mm-hmm. or something? Mm-hmm. I don't know how that works because mm-hmm. I'm not there yet. But have you seen Tangled, the Disney movie? Yes. Okay. Because that was part of it in The Flower. Yes. Remember the magic yes. flower? Yes. You've... But that was a different flower. It wasn't I didn't think Rapunzel. It was called a Rapunzel mm-hmm. flower, was it? We'll, we'll, we'll do some research after the fact and yeah. see if we figure this out. I'm almost finished. Um, but the author, she, um, if I'm, oh, I might get this wrong. I don't know. Never mind. I'm okay. not going to say what can I, I Can I just <laughs> mention, too, that I also just started reading um, Deacon King Kong Ooh. by James McBride. And it is so funny. It's so hilarious. I don't know what I was expecting <laughs> when I picked it up. I wasn't expecting I wasn't anything. expecting funny either. No. I felt heartwarming. Have you read it? No, I oh just God, didn't know where no, it. it's hilarious. Okay. Yeah. What so, is it called? And now you it's know where he lives. De- yeah, now I know where he lives. <laughs> it's called Deacon King Kong by James McBride, who's, you know, a pretty well-known author. But it's basically, it reminds me of a cross between a confederacy of dunces and um harlem shuffle yeah okay yeah by colson whitehead yeah so uh, as far as i can tell right now it's not super plot driven it's more character driven there's like ten thousand characters in it okay but it's about a guy who um he's a deacon he's in his oh, 70s i recognize this cover yeah now. Okay. and he he shoots yeah. like a a well-known drug dealer who's a teenager right in like the plaza of their projects community um and uh, I I suspect that it's going to be like focusing on all these different characters and then there's something that's going to come together in the right. end. But every sentence is hilarious. It's so so you're kind of, is it one of those kind of like, you know what's happened, reverse back and it leads up to I what think happened? it's both. both. Yeah, it's okay. both. Yeah, so like it kind of, it will Fun. go back a little bit in time to talk about a different character. So like there's a, a whole chapter about this other, like, I don't know if he's like a mafia guy or he has some ties to the mafia. He's mm-hmm. Italian. Um, and then um, it'll focus on a different character, mm-hmm. um, and, and eventually just, you learn. I think so. Why? Yeah. I'm only a couple happened. chapters in, but I mean, the humor is—it's so 
like deadpan. I love that really like dry sense of humor. I mean, it's, That's good. yeah, it's fantastic. I, it is rare. I'm not an easy laugher when it comes to books, but mm-hmm. when a book gets me laughing, I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I like legit have <laughs> laughed out loud like, yeah. multiple times. Yeah. So. All right. So I was saying we've had Tommy come talk to us before, but I wanted to just like kind of, I don't think we've really shared Tommy's backstory. So like Tommy is awesome because she works here. Great taste in books. Really good with youth. But let's explain like why. First of all, Tommy is not native to Iowa. And she would tell you that. <laughs> she will. is from New Jersey. <laughs> and we are grateful she moved here. And people here don't drive good enough like New Jerseyans. <laughs> no, no, no. People in New Jersey drive scary. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Terrifying. That's not good enough. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she came from New Jersey, but let's explain why. What's your background? Um, so I'm a librarian, mm-hmm. or I was librarian. No, you're my, still a librarian. Yeah, yeah my, still librarian. My, my background is librarianship, yeah. and I was librarian in New Jersey. Uh, my husband, at the time in New Jersey, worked in public education, and it's really expensive, right? Yeah. It's super expensive to live in New Jersey, and we wanted to move and apply it all over the country, and I got a job at the Ames Public Library, and I was like, this place looks super cool, right? This is a university town. <laughs> yeah. We had never been to Iowa. We had never been to the Midwest. You're so wild. Yeah. Just go plop yourself Chris, right in the center. <laughs> Chris has been to Chicago once. <laughs> We're all like, so Chicago yeah. I'm sure it's just like Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we, we packed up our bags, and we drove two days to Ames, Iowa, and I worked as a teen librarian at the at the public library for uh, I don't know eight or nine years and I left that job and then I came here and why that's valuable is because of that very intimate work like Tommy has fans that come in every time she's on shift like mm-hmm. people are like is Tommy here can I, can I is Tommy <laughs> here so she has huge fans in just year after year after year of kids that have come through the school systems or have been homeschooled who have met her through her library work. Um, But the reason why that's so valuable for us is because she's had a very intimate look at what middle school, high school kids, kids of all sorts, what they're telling her they're looking for, what they need, what they're struggling for with in their personal lives. Um, and it's kind of cool the way you've done it too. You weren't an authority figure in that you were a classroom right. teacher. Right. You weren't somebody's parent. And if anything, the way you've parented them all, but not in a traditional parenting way, made you that much more accessible. Plus, you look really young. <laughs> well, I thought I I, Tommy's the yeah. same age as Ellen and I. And we were like, oh, but Ellen told me she looks so young. Like, it doesn't make sense. You look like you're in your 20s. Yeah, it's pretty you. cool. Yeah. So you look cool. And you're from New Jersey because that's cool. And you're not somebody's New mom. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so you had this this really intimate uh, relationship with these kids. And we get the benefit of all of those years of experience and anecdotes of what it was like working at the library and and what the kids were telling you and what you were observing in them. And so it's helping shape many things at our store. But one of the things that's helping shape um, this month and also last year was our Stories for Story County program. Um, We set out just wanting to bring inclusive and representational work um, to all of our classrooms and school libraries. But why don't you tell us what you hope to achieve with Stories for Story County? Like what would be 
what would be the end goal? What are we trying oh to do? Oh my gosh, there's so many end goals mm-hmm. for Stories for Story County. Mm-hmm. So basically, the basic idea is that um, we get inclusive, you know, widely representative books in schools. Right. Um, we want them in teachers' classrooms. We want them in school libraries. Um, we want them to represent the kids that are there. Mm-hmm. We want them to represent kids that are in the world, right? Yeah. They don't have to be in your school. Um, because we're landlocked. We're in Iowa, which is increasingly yep. conservative these yep. days. Um, and we don't necessarily have this like influx mm-hmm. or change in population that would expose people to different experiences you know, right. perspectives yeah. all the time. Right. It's not ever changing. Yep. We do have the advantage of being in a university town, but yep. it only adds so much. So. And that's and that's Ames, right? Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. not the county in general, mm-hmm. right? So that like the, the wider county um, is maybe not as diverse as Ames. And mm-hmm. so we should definitely be getting those books over there too. Um, right, because it helps kids learn about other people. Right. They shouldn't um, just having, have to be focused on reading only about something right. that looks and sounds just like that. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, and it's funny too, because like, um, you know, you can relate to almost anyone in a book. Right. Right. So it's like, maybe this story is about someone who doesn't look like I do or live like I do, but there's going to be some, there's always something that you can relate to. Right. Um, one of the things that I always tell kids is like, um, like look for who you are in this story. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's about, um, so maybe you're white and it's a story about a black kid and maybe that kid is queer and whatever. Um, and maybe that's not who you are, but like, maybe you're one of their classmates, right? right? Like maybe you're an acquaintance of theirs or a friend of theirs. And so this is helping you understand how do I interact with this person? How do I understand this person? And that's, huge that is so cool because it's such a simple directive Mm -hmm. and i don't know that i've really i never i never got that direction Mm -hmm. in any of the classrooms i was in Mm -hmm. who are you in the story i didn't get that yeah and and it isn't necessarily the main character yeah and that's not all and it's not necessarily a nice character right right like sometimes like there is a bully or there's someone who is a bystander who doesn't stand up and it's really easy to become that person and that doesn't mean we're a bad person no um, but the narrative of the story can help you understand yeah. and maybe help you understand, you self-analyze. Right. Because yep. you can reflect on what I would do differently yep. or um, what would be helpful yep. to you. Tell us why it matters to have a kid in a classroom and they pick up a book from the shelf and see themselves. Why does that matter? It is, like, transformative, <laughs> right? So, like... Um, when I was in high school, um, so I, I actually didn't like love, love to read when I was a kid, which I think is kind of surprising for someone who grew up to be a librarian. Yeah. Um, and it was because when I was a kid, there was, there was like nothing really for me, right. As someone who is South Asian and Hindu and whatever, um, immigrant kid, first generation American. Um, and so like, I remember, especially in high school, I like almost never read a required reading. Like I totally BSed on my assignments. And then one summer for an English honors class, I was assigned um, the Joy Luck Club. Yes. And I've talked about that book on this podcast before, so I won't super go into it. But that book, like, changed my 16-year-old life. Like, it literally changed my life. And it was because I realized that I wasn't experiencing um, this bicultural experience as a first-generation American in isolation. Right. Right. And that, like, that blew my mind. Yeah. Um, and so for kids to have that and to feel affirmed and validated, mm-hmm. it's really huge. But also 
when you're young and even when you're an adult, you don't always have the vocabulary to explain your experience to right. another person. Not all like, of us really can hard. be like night crawling where right. we can like, yeah, here it is. It out. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, there was a time, there have been times where I've given books to people who are close to me and I'm like, I, I can't fully explain to you this experience of mine, but I can give you this book. And this will help you understand. Yeah. And by going through, by reading it and immersing yourself yeah. in this experience, yeah. you're better able yeah. to, f- to understand me. My friend Huey did the same thing for me when he sent me the book, Almost American Girl. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's like, this isn't my story, but it's very similar mm-hmm. to my experience um, coming to America as a young kid. Yep. So Also, like, sometimes it's traumatizing. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes I don't want to share those stories with yeah. people, right? But they still need to know them. And so you can just read this book. And right. I don't, and I, yes. I just, I don't have to lay, like, lay it out my mind. history for you. But here it is. I yeah. relate to that on the topic of abortion. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can talk about the abortion I had and the circumstances around it. And sometimes I can't. It's so much easier if someone's articulated yeah. it. Oh, there's a lot of Facebook sharing that happens, but I can take an article that talks about, look at how ridiculous we're just, how we're we're judging people. It's so nuanced what people are going through. Look how hard it is for a woman to make these choices and under what circumstances. And I can just share that story. Yep. Um, and it didn't take yep. my emotional labor to make it happen. And then I can receive that story. And then I have a shared vocabulary with you. Yeah. Right. And, and I know so, how to like, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. so, and it's also, also just the explaining of terminology, right? Mm-hmm. So like the idea of like a microaggression or, um, well, it helps build empathy between people. Right. Because it's not, it's not your right to know their story, but if it's your responsibility giving, as a yeah, human being to understand yeah. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if they're giving you a chance to say, I don't want to share my story, like you were saying earlier, yep. Tommy, it's exactly like that. So it's. And then just like, you know, teachers having those books in their classrooms, like then they're better teachers. If they're mm-hmm. reading those books too, then they're better understanding their students and well, they're better teachers. And their students feel like that's a safety for them. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think like even just having that book on your shelf mm-hmm. is signaling your values as an educator right. to your students. And that is really important. Right. Because um, there isn't a huge amount of diversity amongst our teaching staff either right. in this county. Right. And like there's just so much research that shows that kids with marginalized identities are they are isolated. They feel mm-hmm. isolated in their schools. And that mm-hmm. has all sorts of ramifications for their education mm-hmm. and their well-being. Mm-hmm. That lasts throughout their lifetime. Yeah. When we get ready to do stories for Story County, we did this last year, but then you you looked at it again fresh this year. What were you looking for in the books that we were specifically curating to put on display that people could grab, make a donation to local classrooms? What were you looking for and what were some of the ones you found that you were excited about getting into schools? So definitely as um, wide... uh, representation as possible. And that means all sorts of identities. I think that something that happens is that certain, um, certain ideas tend to come in vogue and go out of vogue. And and then we focus on those, but really we should be including all students, regardless of what their identities are, Mm -hmm. um, in the curation. Um, and then also to remember that a lot of, uh, identities and experiences are invisible, right? Mm -hmm. So like, if you're just going based off of like, who do I have in my classroom? I should curate based on that. Well, 
there's going to be a lot of things happening that like you don't necessarily know about. Right. right. So like maybe you have um, a student has experienced a, a death in their family at a very young age. Right. Um, or maybe you have students who have disabilities that you don't know about um, or are a religion that you don't know. Um, and so we should really be thinking about all of those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely represent who you see, but then go beyond that, push beyond right. that. What do you think some of the most important identities um, for our counties, in Story County specifically, what mm-hmm. were important to you to bring forth and make sure they're included in um, classrooms? Yeah, so definitely, you know, different racial identities, um, Black, Latinx, um, Asian. Um, it's interesting because you see in publishing there are just these like Mm-hmm. these waves. Right? Yeah. Like and you were so, saying, what's yeah. in vogue, right. what's in vogue right now. Yeah. Um, and so I, I feel like we're finally hitting um, a wave in publishing of including disability experiences, which okay. was not super common before. Um, and it's really fascinating because, um, you know, as a librarian, I saw this with queer identities. So it was like, you would start seeing, um, you know, kids in YA books, more YA books that had queer identities, but they were mostly like gay yeah, or lesbian, right? So they right. weren't trans, they weren't bi, they mm-hmm. weren't pansexual, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and they were white. Yeah. And then like slowly over time, it was like, you see like, you know, different um, races and ethnicities represented in that. Um, and so now we're finally um, kind of starting to publish more and more books about disability. And I feel like because those are so new, I'm trying to include more and more of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a lot uh, this year. I really enjoyed um, a YA book called Most Likely about four girls. It was like the new sisterhood of the traveling pants. That's Renee Watson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh And I really enjoyed that because there was um, representation of someone who had a disability and he was the love interest. Yeah. And I loved that. And um, the girls were for best friends, but they each had different sexual identities or family experiences. But that again, wasn't, they were all kind of asides. Yeah. This was a story about them growing up and yeah. who they would become. Yeah. And then it just so happened that someone was in love with someone who got around in a wheelchair and yeah. someone happened to be bi, someone happened to be gay. And, um, that was something I learned from you was how mm-hmm. important it is that identities are just included in a book yep. versus a book that's about coming out. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, so like just joyful experiences, right? right? Like a lot of books focus on trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a place for those books because right. I think like. Like I need my people, trauma represented. Right. But I, I also. I need it represented and yeah. I need other people to understand it. Yeah. Um, but also like I already understand that trauma and I don't personally need to read about it. And I don't it. need and to that's live in all it. there is to that person. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I don't need yeah. to live in the worst part of yeah. my experience yeah. in every single book. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think you see that a lot in books for people who are Jewish, right? Yeah. Like Jewish kids, a lot. Of, like, it's just books about World War II, mm-hmm. right? And books about the whole, and that's traumatizing. And also, there's so much more to that experience right. than just mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. some of the books you found, what are you excited about? Yeah. So, I'm excited about um, it's a newer book I that know. came out this year called 12. <laughs> and I just asked I'm bringing this one home. It. Yeah. Um, it's by Janet Key. 
Um, and it's a summer camp book about a girl, a middle school girl who um, is compelled to go to summer camp. She doesn't want to, um, but her parents send her and it's a theater camp. And when she gets there, she falls like right into this mystery. So um, one of the counselors has gone missing. All of a sudden, like all these clues are dropping in her lap. She doesn't know who's sending them. Um, and uh, she ends up meeting this like really interesting quirky group of friends who help her solve this mystery and it's really lovely because um it goes back and forth um so it's got kind of a dual plot line one is contemporary current day and the other is in the past um and the past storyline is about um a woman who is uh i think she's a, a director like a movie director and she falls in love with this actress mm -hmm. um and the two of them are trying to start this life together and somehow that is related to the mystery that the main character Marin is trying to solve um and one of the things that i really like about it is the queer representation mm -hmm. so one of Marin's best friends that she meets at camp is a kid who's non-binary mm -hmm. um and there is a lot of really um excellent information mm -hmm. about um that experience that identity um but it doesn't feel didactic yeah it, it feels pretty seamlessly woven in right um and um that character uses they them pronouns and it's just really lovely to see the way that um their friends support them yeah and like just the, the like education that's in the novel but it's also just a really fun novel that's right. like a mystery mm -hmm. um that's super exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting, especially given, um, you know, all of the current book challenges and like things that are happening. And, right. Um, this like attack on queer identities. Right. Um, and so it's just really beautiful. Um, another one that I have, um, it's actually another one with, with really great queer representation is called Pumpkin by Julie Murphy. Um, this one's a little bit older, but I picked it because not only does it have great queer representation um, with a, a teenage boy. Actually, we were talking about college earlier. Yeah. Um, and like the path that you're supposed to follow. And so he doesn't know if he's actually ready for college. He doesn't know if that's something he wants to do. Um, and he starts like teasing out this idea of maybe becoming a drag performer, but he lives in a really rural, small town, conservative Texas. And so it's really, he like, probably doesn't have right. an example in his community exactly. of how to do yeah. that successfully. Yeah. Um, but one of the main reasons I picked it actually is because he's fat. So there's a lot of like, um, conversation about sizeism and like, who gets to be accepted, who gets to feel beautiful, um, who gets to pursue their dreams. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, a, you know, a conversation that uh, we're starting to have more and more. Yeah. Um, so I really I love that one. I think we even, I know everybody's been on that train of body positivity mm -hmm. for years now, but it doesn't seem like it's actually the right kind of body positivity. Um, but I do know that the selection that's being carried in into the store has been influential into legitimate like inclusion of body sizes we had a person stop look in the window come in buy the books and say oh my gosh thank you for including this it's myself on a cover like mm -hmm. i want to read more about she said fat people she's yeah. like that's yeah. you were there i think for that yep. conversation yep. and yep. And yeah. we have one of our local authors to thank for that. Yeah, Denise yeah. Williams and her rom-coms. She talks a lot about how the cover art is developed because rom-coms have a very specific look to them. Mm -hmm. And so these book designers, I think, are used to pumping out a certain look of a guy and a girl yeah. on a cover yeah. and what that girl looks like. And um, Denise is just like, no, make her fatter. Yeah. And, and, I, and a little I bit bigger, that, right? please. Thank I you. Think, 
Absolutely. I think a lot of fat people really like contend with this issue of like, am I lovable? Mm-hmm. And like, yes, of Obviously, course you are. Yes, yes of course. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you're seeing that more in YA as That's well. the crappy thing about watching and reading older things is <laughs> the like major, like just problematic pieces, yeah. especially like around fat phobia in the early 2000s and like 90s. It's well, and just, even like, in like, so gross. you know, even in like, film and television media like that's not really as widely represented as it is in books now and Mm -hmm. so if that's if that's what you're seeing is this representation of what you're supposed to look like right that's not what you look like Mm -hmm. i and probably it's easier to do it in books because you don't have to have the visual staring you in the face the whole time yeah but yeah yeah and so and also that book is just delightful Mm -hmm. i mean it's just funny and it's fun um, and I really loved it. And this is the author of um, Dumplin', yeah, which so, I also love Dumplin'. Yeah. yeah, I rewatched that movie the other day. <laughs> so so let's talk about um, our program mm-hmm. and how it's set up. Um, we've Tom V, you know, specifically has done the deep dive. Um, she's thinking about who needs representing and why in our community, and then found books that do so in a very positive way. Um, And then we've brought that curation to our store and we've put it on display and we're inviting our community to stop by, check out these books and make a contribution by purchasing the books um, at a 20% discount. That's our education discount. And then um, we take those books um, in the first month of school, essentially, and put them all over the county. And they're going into classrooms, they're going into libraries and um, doing the work that we hope that they can do. Um, why would why would you encourage people to be part of this? Like, why do you think this is um, a good program for us as a store? Yeah, I think like teachers do a lot of work already, right? right? right. Um, they don't always have budgets to be curating their library collections. Right. Um, and so if this is a way that we can support them, right. um, you know, by getting in books into their libraries, but then also by helping to curate um, good books that we believe that they should have in their libraries. Um, books are fun, right? Yeah. Like, I love reading, but they're, they're just such good tools, right? right? Like they're always teaching us something, um, even when that's not the intention Mm -hmm. Um, because we have teachers come in day in and day out we love our educators that are in here buying books for their classroom that's why educators make sure you say that you're an educator give us your school email you will automatically start getting a 20% discount on your book purchases for yourself and your classroom because we know that your entire career you've been dumping your own money into your classroom yep. not dumping that's a negative and no, but you know it you've comes at a cost you money to mm-hmm. build your own classroom libraries mm-hmm. i mean so this is an opportunity for us as a community to take that burden off of our educators and um allow them to receive the gift of representational literature in their classrooms without the burden of having to do it for themselves. So all through um, August, you can stop by the store and explore Tommy's curation. Um, And you can make selections for yourself too. Your experiences could influence um, the book that you choose to contribute to the classroom. So you can pick something off our shelf and say, I'd really like to see this in an area classroom. And Tommy's even put together book bundles. So if you don't want to like, you know, you want to get a couple, but she has wrapped together the perfect stack of books that like for elementary, middle grade and high school. So just grab a bundle and we will take care of it. And they're all at 20% off. 
Or if you're not local, you can shop book bundles on our website. So I'll put it in the show notes as well. But if you go to our website under shop and then stories for story County, um, just keep following the links, you'll get to it and you can shop other book bundles that Tommy has put together, not only at 20% off, but some of them are at 40% off. So you can shop, pay for three books for almost $20, $30. It's like super, super affordable. Um, if you're able to help and just give something, mm-hmm. um, so and it's great because, you know, teachers will have these books in their mm-hmm. classrooms for right. years. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you don't have to just be, um, local or nearby to support stories for story County. I think there's listeners who are from this area Mm -hmm. or just enjoy the store and enjoy and appreciate Mm -hmm. educators and want to help out. So if you do. And it's a gift for teachers and Mm -hmm. it's a gift for kids. Yeah. Yeah. Right. To have those books. It really means so much to just not one person. Mm -hmm. So join us. And Tommy's got another stack, like some other notable titles is Together We March, Mm -hmm. um, More Than Peach, We Move Together. Um, if you're a kid like Gavin, yeah, um, Benji the Bad Day and Me, yeah, mm-hmm. and Killers of the Flower Moon, mm-hmm. which is the Osage Murders and Birth of the FBI. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a good selection that she has really curated and picked out for you all to purchase to support this um, effort. Very cool. Well, we do have some new releases coming out this week that we can go through um, in hardcover and paperback and a, a, a couple that I'm really excited about in kids. Um, I'll mention that there's a new Lisa Jewell. People love her for psychological thrillers. She has a big time following. Hers is called The Family Remains. So this is out on Tuesday um, today. Um, early one morning on uh, the shore of the Thames, right? It's the Thames. Um, an investigator, Thames. Um, Samuel Owusu is called to the scene of a gruesome discovery. When he sends evidence for examination, he learns that these bones he's discovered are connected to a cold case that left three people dead on the kitchen floor in a Chelsea mansion 30 years ago. So perfect mystery, um, suspense, um, psychological thriller. You know, you can count on Lisa for that. Um, we have life on the Mississippi and Epic American Adventure by Rinker Buck. So this is about, this is, I love these books and I love <laughs> that it's a dude doing it this time. So think Elizabeth Gilbert, Eat, Play, Pray, Love. Um, the girl who hiked the PCT trail. What oh, is? Oh, uh, yeah. She threw the Threw her hers. boot. She yeah. threw her boot off the mountain. You know what Strayed. I'm talking about? Cheryl Cheryl Strayed. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you. It is, again... <laughs> You can call it a crisis or you can call it a middle midlife uh, coming of age. But this is a dude's um, midlife coming of age. Buck builds an 1800 style wooden flat boat and journeys down the Mississippi River all the way to New Orleans. And what he experiences along the way, what he discovers about himself and the people he meets. Um, this is nonfiction. Yes, it is nonfiction. Um and does a great job uh, diving into the history of people who've lived along this route. Um, I think it sounds really fun. Um, it is fun to go on a journey with someone like that. My personal favorite is Connor McKnight's book about the, um, or is it Connor Knight? 
I think that's Connor Knight, not Connor McKnight. But anyway, about the <laughs> national parks. He go he broke up with his girlfriend and he decided the way to heal from that was to go to all the national parks in a year. Wow. So it is a genre. It's a subgenre now. Um, paperback, we're getting Harlem Shuffle by mm-hmm. Colson Whitehead. Super powerful. You referenced mm-hmm. this earlier. Um it's kind of a quirky story mm-hmm. uh, about a man trying to find his way in uh, his career, in his community. Um, really interesting. We have also in paperback, Poet Warrior by Joy Harshow. She's the former Poet Laureate. Um, and it's really wonderful to be able to get this memoir in paperback. Um But let me tell you about my two exciting kids' picture books. I'm going to read both of these at story time this week with Lovey because we're back. Um, One of my, I know, (laughs) don't do it anymore. I love it. I got rave reviews the last time. (laughs) Everybody who works here can run a successful story time because they're amazing, cool people. Um, But I really love doing it. Um, and there aren't a lot of things I love doing in terms of like, <laughs> in terms of like being, being like in the, like public facing, like center of attention. Yeah. yeah. I, there's a lot of discomfort that I have, like with, like, I don't go to meetings and I'm not on committees. Maybe mm-hmm. that's because I'm selfish, but, um, I don't do those things. <laughs> um, but I love Greg Pizzoli. Okay. Greg Pizzoli is amazing. Yep. He wrote Watermelon Seed. He wrote Number One Sam. He gets kids and the way their brains work. And he is so much fun. And uh, one of my favorite things about him, I love his illustration style. Um, he does some block print work. But one of my favorite things is he takes characters from each of his books and plops them into other books. And unless you're a fan of his, you don't know that that's happening. It's just another mouse. But the mouse from, let's see, um, the owl one. He has one about going to bed and the sounds you hear when you're trying to fall asleep. You know when you're laying in bed and then you hear a sound and you're like, oh my God, what was that? And you're never going to fall asleep until you find out. He's written he's written a book about that experience. But this one is about the history of pizza. So he's written a couple nonfiction um, picture books. I love all of them. Um, he's written about um, explorers who who got lost in the jungles. Um, the quest for Z, I think is what mm. they call it. Um, he wrote one about Tricky Vic, who mm-hmm. sold the Eiffel Tower, even though he didn't own the Eiffel Tower. He was just a con artist and he got into trouble on every continent. So this is another nonfiction and it's about the history of pizza. And I love it because his last name is Pizzoli. Um, and he explains that a person who makes pizzas is called like a pizza leone or something to that effect. He talks about all the different explanations about where pizza might've come from. Everyone thinks it's Italy, but guess what? Tomatoes didn't come to Italy until long after pizza was invented. Um, and what? so there's this, Whoa. yeah. Wait, what? Tomatoes, tomatoes are from Peru. Wow. And then they came to Italy. So these are the facts that you will learn in this fantastic book. Um, gorgeous illustrations. And then once you read it, you'll discover some of the characters that show up in the book. And then you'll have to read all his backlist. But even I love the, you, like, Greg. Pasta sauce? Yeah, that's the thing. And so then there's this whole debate on when did it become pizza? Because they used to, I think it was the Romans on their shields would lay out 
like a flatbread and put it on their shield and hold it over the fire, which crisped up the fire. And maybe they put some cheese on it, but it didn't have tomato sauce yet. So was it pizza? I don't know. Just to plug you, Greg Pizzoli, I'm your number one fan. If you ever want to leave Philadelphia and come visit Ames, Iowa, we will make a big deal and make lots of pizza. I promise you. Wait, I have to tell you one other. If you cry like a fountain by Noemi Vola. Okay. So this is a worm who cries until it fills a water fountain. And it, I am obsessed with this book because it's hilarious, but it's also like being sad and crying is like, it's back to life. Is this the book back you were life? reading in the yes. office on Friday? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You can water your plants. Um, you can fill the. When I'm sobbing. Yeah. So you I'm can like, fill. <laughs> you can fill the pasta pot. You know. Ew. You can fill the pasta pot, and you don't even have to add salt. Here, I, Chris, here is the pasta I made with my I know tears. my tears. <laughs> my tears. And so there's kind of almost this comicness to like, oh, you're crying. Well. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. Talk it's to you so later. Bad. Fill the pasta pot. Your face. Yeah. So it, there's oh, the dear. message to me is almost like you're crying and crying and crying and you can't stop. But like that's life. Is this you're gonna be okay? Book? It's not a dung. Well, no, probably not. The dung beetle book is a very special. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's very universal and it's uplifting. Not everyone's gonna get this one unless you have depression, like all of us. <laughs> you might not yeah, get here. it. Cheers, to cheers to crying like a fountain. But I will read this one because it is normal to cry. And my kids were crying in the car this morning um, while we were driving, and I just wanted to die because I was in a trap space. But crying is normal. So those are my two you favorite didn't ones. Collect their tears. They should have, because we would have come along. What are you going to eat tonight now? I'm sure there's other cocktails. Good salty cocktail. Could have been good. So those are my two favorites. Check them out. But there are some things popping at the store this week. I'm going to be at Storytime. You're going to get to read about depression and pizza. Pizza solves depression. Go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. And I always say, like, um, our summer reading program, we're getting close to the end of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, our cheesy reading challenge. Um, If I'm depressed, and our family is like this universally, my whole family, if you want to solve your emotional problems... Get a pizza from Great Place. Pizza. Nice, buy a book. <laughs> that too, that too. Books and pizza—they go together. Um, but I'm gonna read about crying and pizza in addition to something else this Wednesday with Lovey because Lovey is back in the store. She has had a bath because she went swimming, um, this weekend and got all the late goobers on her. So hopefully she'll be nice and fresh this week. Um. We have a really cool event on Thursday called Pub Fiction. This supports the library. You do it through the library. You you purchase a ticket. It's a $20 ticket to participate, but then you come around to many local businesses and get to drink literary-themed, um, well, in our case, literary-themed, which is the best, um, cocktails or drinks. Um, you dress up as your favorite character from fiction, um, which, of course is the coolest thing you can do the best costume we're going to have a band books themed event at the store for people to participate in um tell them what the cocktail was oh do i know it's an absent it's an absent drink yes yeah Uh, i want okay so you guys don't know this maybe if you're a cocktail nerd like me absinthe was banned until like the 60s or 70s 
it might even been later than that because people thought it made you crazy. But the real story about absinthe was there was a guy in the UK who like murdered his wife and family. And apparently he was drunk on absinthe and people thought that was why it was the absinthe that did it, not the white male (laughs) privilege. And so they banned absinthe. And we were like, oh, no, men aren't horrible. It's the absent. And so now everyone still thinks of you here in the absinthe. green fairy. Yeah. You think of the absinthe cocktail and you're like, oh, my God, you're doing something horrible, like some crazy drug. No, it's just a liqueur. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should get extra insurance. All the people are going to lose pub fiction. They're like, I had the absinthe liqueur. I had the banned books cocktail. But um, we're going to participate in that event. I got special band books, lovey stuff. Oh my god, yep. they're so perfect. Yeah. So we are all about maxing out. Yeah, we're all about maxing out lovey's um, image, <laughs> and so you, you might get band book stickers when you stop by. And Thursday we mm-hmm. have books and bevs, which is the book club without having to read a book. Just come and chat about what you're reading. Other book clubs books. Um, yeah, there's no specific book. It's just a time for bookish people to get together and have fun. And then Tommy's back in charge on Friday from mm-hmm. five to six with the Totally Graphic Book Club. What are you guys reading? We're reading a book called Saint Hell. Yeah. It's a trans memoir. I'm super excited. It's the coolest cover. Yeah, it's we really cool. Have not even had enough of this. Like, yeah. you have a big amount of kids. I think coming to this yeah. month's book club. Yeah. Um. So at two times a year, we ask people to sponsor the youth book clubs. Um, so the books for this were sponsored. We're usually right out the perfect amount on occasion. You know, we need one extra or so, but I swear we've needed maybe like five extra yeah, copies of yeah, this book. This stock, one's not yeah. one that's been able yep. to stay in stock long yep. enough. Um, so I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. I wanted a copy, but I'm like, oh, I, we have to keep them for the kids who need to read them for the And store. it's super cool because we have a few kids in book club who are trans, so I think mm-hmm. they're particularly excited. So thank you to everyone who sponsors that book club. Yeah. It's like a really so meaningful appreciate And again, yeah. highlighting how important it is yeah. for representational um, literature for our youth, because there's a reason why the kids are flocking this month. Um, not only is it because of the representation of the trans experience, but it's a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And we have just talked about how for a lot of kids, this is an, a, you know, a pathway to becoming a reader. Mm-hmm. I know I have a kid who loves almost exclusively um, graphic novels for YA. And so it's a booming genre. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that was a, a great conversation. I love you guys. Cheers to a great week of representational, inclusive reading. Keep the champagne flowing and the books going. Woo! <laughs> Way to remember our tagline, Rachel. I've been trying to practice it for a few weeks. <laughs> Thanks for being back. Remember, uh, subscribe, like, follow, because you want to find out what's happening in Dog Eared Books every single week. Yeah. And if you don't live in Ames, you can always follow us on social or hit our website to order books. Follow us at, at Dog Eared Books Ames or at Dog Eared Books on TikTok. All right, listeners, keep the champagne flowing and the books going. This is so great. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs>